Welcome. Welcome to another episode of Rich in Relationship. And today we're talking about sex with your ex during the divorce process. Is it okay? I'm just setting a timer here so I don't go on forever and ever and ever. Sex with your ex during the divorce process. Is it okay? <clears throat> this is a question that seems like it should be obvious, right? I mean, you're still married would be one answer, or it might be leading each other on, or maybe you're just being friends with benefits, or maybe it's an opportunity to reconcile. I mean, there are so many different ways to frame sex with your soon-to-be ex. So before we even get too deep into it, let's talk about what are the circumstances that would lead you to even consider this? Divorce is a very lonely business. All right. And what I mean by that is when we declare to the world that we're getting divorced, it is not unusual for people to withdraw from our lives. They're almost afraid they're going to catch it from us. Some people who have been divorced will get in there in your corner, but typically one partner will garner more of the friends than the other. And even with friends, the fact of the matter is when two, you're getting divorced and your friends aren't, you feel very alone. Unless you have a group of people that you're going through divorce, all of you are going divorced at the same time it's very easy to feel isolated and alone. So you're living in a house with this person that you were once in love with, and you even enjoyed having sex with at one point or another, perhaps. And even though you're angry with each other and sad and fighting, you feel terribly, terribly alone. And you're awake late at night. And you plus, you haven't had sex in a while, unless you're in an adulterous relationship while this is going on, you probably haven't had sex for a while. So there's a lot of pent up emotion. There you are in the house with this other person and you're both feeling very alone and isolated. Neither of you have had any for a while. And there's a lot of pent up emotion and pent up emotion usually finds its release through physical activity of some kind. Maybe you haven't been going to the gym or maybe you have. And guess what? It's not that unusual for one person to creep into the other person's bed. And at two in the morning, that's the least likely time that you're gonna hear, get the hell out of there. Because at two in the morning, if the other person's awake, they're feeling alone also. Or maybe you crawl into their bed and you wake them up and say, can I just lie here? And they say, okay. And then what happens next? Maybe that goes on for a night or two before one of you gives in and turns to the other for comfort. And what are the thoughts that go through your mind there? The thoughts that go through your mind are some of the ones I just mentioned. Well, this could be like friends with benefit. I mean, after all, when we get divorced, hopefully we're still gonna be friends because we have children and everything. That's one thought that could go through your head. Another thought that could go through your head is, well, we're still married. So this isn't, um, wrong right husband and wife should have sex even if they're getting divorced 
that's another thought that can go through your head. Or another thought that can go through your head is, this is just sex. And, and the sex at least is good. And I need the release and so does he or so does she. Uh, and that's actually the most insidious thought of all. It's just sex after all. There's a, what we tend to do is we tend to disconnect ourselves in this moment. We disconnect the sexual act from emotion. And it becomes just, it's just, a, well, you know what? We're going to have some release and some pleasure together. What could be wrong with that? <clears throat> and, you know, the next day you wake up after you've committed the act. And you both feel more relaxed, right? Uh, maybe you're not all lovey-dovey. Maybe you're not friendly. Maybe it goes back to stonewalling each other in the morning. But the fact of the matter is your tension is much reduced because you haven't had any in a while. Now you have you feel there's a sense of release that goes on with it. But what else goes on in that moment? I'll tell you what else goes on in that moment. On an unconscious level and on a somewhat conscious level, you both start to wonder, what was that? Was that really just something physical? Because let's face it, sex is almost never strictly a physical act because our bodies are vessels for expression. Everything we do is an expression of emotion. And in that sexual act, there is an expression of emotion and an exchange. And it may start out as angry sex for one of you, but when the release comes around, something changes there. So on some level, there's a return. You've been fighting for a while. You're in the divorce process. Nothing's been going on. All of a sudden you're intimate and it's a mixed message to your psyche. And so the message I want to give you here is <clears throat> if you what you really want is a divorce, this may not be your best course of action. The question is, what are the conditions where this is good? How might this be negative? So the good news is it's a release. All right. And the bad news is that if where you're really going is to be two separate people, no longer partners, then the chances are you don't want to be doing this anymore because it's confusing. It's confusing to the two of you, first of all, but your children will pick up on it as well, that something's changed, something's shifted, and they'll start to get some false sense of hope out of that unconsciously. They won't sit there and think mommy and daddy did it. There's there's a chance. Well, they might, you know, if they're teenagers, they might think that, but it's more on an emotional level. It changes the whole emotional undercurrent and it may feel like a positive, but if where you're really going is to no longer be partners, it is no longer a positive. Now, how could it be beneficial? Let's say that you've only decided to be separated, or maybe you've decided to be legally separated. You're living in separate households. Separated is usually what people do when they're not sure what they want to do with their marriage. They're trying some time apart. It might be even an agreement in the separation that they're going to date other people. Whatever you choose is what you choose. In the case of separation, when you choose to have intimacy together, there is all the things we were talking about. There's the release. There's the sense of closeness. There's a relaxation. Um, there's a lessening of tension, and that might even be a positive. It might give you a position to really consider your relationship. And there may be, 
there may be an opening there for reconciliation because when you're separated, the basic premise is that there is an opportunity or a possibility of reconciliation. Not always, I mean, admittedly, some people separate so that the other person can stay on health insurance and they can have all the benefits of being divorced without any of the detriment. But for the most part, when people separate or separate legally, there is still a possibility of reconciliation. So under those circumstances, sex with your ex could be a positive. What if you're already divorced? What does it mean then? Great question, right? And if you're already divorced, it might be an opportunity for reconciliation, or it might be, again, really confusing. And the question, I think what really makes the difference here is where are your eyes in the process? My dog is bored with me already. Where are your eyes in the process? When we're getting divorced, presumably our eyes are on continuing to take apart the relationship as it was and build a new relationship, either as individuals who are apart and never talk to each other or who have a shared interest like children. So mostly I work with couples, for example, who are getting divorced and the shared interest is children. And so we spend a lot of time negotiating a business-like arrangement around the children, business-like communication, regular communication, uh, maybe even friendly communication. They might even have dinner together with the children, but it's not romantic dinner. It's a business dinner. It's a dinner in which they're showing their commitment and their love for the children. There's little or no room, I would argue no room in that relationship for physical intimacy. Not that you can't have trust, not that you can't have some empathy and caring communication, but that physical intimacy is confusing for the children and confusing for the couple. If where they're moving is divorced, you need to have your eyes on the prize. In life, we keep our eyes focused on where we're going. And when we take actions, that are a deviation from where we're going, we need to accept that there are gonna be consequences to that deviation. Like I know a couple, I know several couples who have had sexual relationships during the divorce process. And it was immensely confusing for one of the partners in many instances. Uh, one of the partners thought that it was, there was hope, uh, particularly if, it's the partner who has been served the papers. When the person who is getting the divorce, who has served the other with papers, then chooses to have sex with that person, it is a doubly confusing message. And so the person who has served the papers was there having an intimate relationship with the person who was divorcing them, secretly hoping for reconciliation. And that's that's cruel. When you think about it, it is cruel to put someone through that. So what do you do? Does that mean you sit down and have a conversation? Oh, well, you know, this is just friends with benefit release kind of thing. You can have that conversation, but the other person will never fully believe it. They will always be secretly hoping, secretly hoping. And so you don't want to feed that secret hope. It is toxic to feed that secret hope. Um, I've known couples who got divorced and had sex afterwards uh, just as friends. And that was okay because they negotiated that. They said, you know what? We don't want, we're going to have other partners, but we still enjoy each other. In this, we still enjoy each other. 
uh, and it was healing for them. But they were really clear that the purpose of being physically intimate was not to rebuild their marriage. It was not even a form of reconciliation. They were both really clear that it was something that they enjoyed and that they were going to do every now and then. And eventually they met people and they stopped. Uh, and so, uh, and the problem was when they met people, the lines were a little blurred there. So there can be problems with that. To be really clear, you always want to see where you're going. So if you're already divorced and you're thinking, oh, maybe we're going to be friends with benefits, you need to understand that given the history that you've had together and given that you may have other interests, that that can really conf be confusing for you on an unconscious level. So what do I mean by that? Um, any of you who've listened to this podcast before know that my belief about the unconscious is, is basically it's a big dog, right? And what do we know about dogs? We know that dogs can be trained and conditioned. So we either train and condition our dog to not be intimate with the other person, or our dog is trained and conditioned to expect to be intimate with that person. And when we change the rules, our dog goes, what? You know, so if you went and got a divorce from someone because it wasn't working, and then all of a sudden you start having intimacy with them occasionally, you, your unconscious mind, your dog gets confused. You start forming uh, inappropriate attachments for the level of relationship that you have, all right? And all the work that we're doing in life is about retraining that dog. We want to be the most effective human beings possible. We want our conscious mind to be in alignment with our unconscious mind. And when we confuse our unconscious mind, when we confuse the dog, we start to sabotage our relationships. We start to take missteps uh, because the, the dog is, set, is pulling you in a different direction than your conscious mind, right? The, the reason why we have trouble being successful sometimes is the conscious mind is moving one way and the unconscious mind wants to go another. My unconscious mind down here, maybe you want to, those of you who are on video, I've got a dog here. The dog wants to be fed. Right? I want to do the podcast. The dog wants to be fed. We're pulling in different directions. So if the goal is to create alignment between our conscious and unconscious minds, we need to be super clear about what we will and will not do. What are the values and principles involved? The fact of the matter is that sex is almost never strictly a physical pleasure act. I mean, one of the reasons why there's unwanted pregnancy is people think that sex is strictly about the act of pleasuring one another or pleasuring yourself through another person, depending on how you look at it, right? But it was never designed to be that. It was always designed to be a way for two people to be closer together. And in becoming closer together, the two people were supposed to have a child. And in having a child, they're supposed to create a family Right. So sex is, has always been part of that, cyclically part of that. So when we try and reduce it down to simply an act of pleasure, oh, we just hooked up. It just doesn't mean anything. We're negating thousands of years of programming, thousands of years of, gen of, of genetics, of emotion. And that just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. You know, if you hook up with somebody long enough, eventually it becomes something more because we're intuitively, emotionally grounded, connected to the act of sex 
as being a way to grow closer with someone and to build family and to build future together. And that is why it just doesn't work. Sex with your ex, the reason why they're your ex is there's no more sex. <laughs> I mean, that's really what the, that's really what we're saying here. And if you're having sex with your ex, it the only way it's really going to work is if you no longer want them to be your ex. So take that, think about it. I'd love to hear number one. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I mean, maybe I'm a dinosaur. Maybe my whole concept that sex is more than just the act, uh, than just pleasure is ancient history, but let's face it, the culture has thousands of years of believing that sex is the beginning of a union, of two hearts as one, of, uh, of growing together, of being one flesh. You know, the culture has that ingrained in it. And even if sex really is just about pleasure, we're never, we're, we're never, we're, it's gonna be hard it's gonna be challenging. It's gonna take time to shake off thousands of years of cultural belief. I'd like to hear your thoughts about this. I'd like to hear what's your experience about this. So please comment. If you're watching this on the YouTube channel, please comment. If you're watching this in our divorce group, we've got a divorcing your toxic spouse group, create some dialogue about this. If you're listening to this on the podcast, um, you can, send me an email at rich at richinrelationship.com, R-I-C-H at R-I-C-H-I-N-R-E-L-A-T-I-O-N-S-H-I-P.com. That's S-H-I-P.com. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, but reach out and connect and let me know what your thoughts are on this. What's your experience with this? You know, uh, this, this will probably, this will appear in Facebook. Chat about it. I want to an opportunity to interact with you and learn more about your experience. Is it different than my clients? Thank you for your time. And, in, and again, remember, if they're gonna be your ex, there shouldn't be any sex. Catch you later.